The Follies of Legislatures by L. Tweed Pomeroy from The Green Bag, January 1900. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. There is a story told of how the two English egotists, Oscar Wilde and the painter Whistler, once met on the streets of London, and Wilde said to Whistler, Ah, the dear public thinks, when we meet and talk, that we are talking of art, but instead we are talking of ourselves, aren't we? Whistler, happening to be both an abler man and wit, replied, My dear Wilde, you greatly mistake. When we meet, we don't talk of ourselves, we talk of myself. So the dear public often thinks that when legislatures meet, they talk about the needs and wishes and sufferings of the great common people. But if it got behind the scenes, it would find that subject given scant attention, save as it affects each legislature's future, and that too often the talk is about ourselves, while the voting usually has reference to myself. So long as we give a committee of men uncontrolled power over us, for just so long will they use that power for their own ends. And if they are chosen frequently, as our legislators are, they will retain a certain portion of the noble spirit of service to the whole people. As long as they are new at the service, crude and inefficient, they will make lots of mistakes, be easily led by designing men who know the ropes, and by the end of the term either be ready to retire in disgust because they deem nothing can be accomplished, or to adopt the prevailing low moral tone, look at every bill from the point of what is there in it for me, and be fit subjects for the lobbyist. Thus, the last legislature of the sovereign state of Missouri passed a bill called the Pure Beer Law through both houses, and it was signed by the governor. This provides that, quote, no person or persons or corporation engaged in the brewing or manufacture of beer or other malt liquor shall use any substance, material or chemical in the manufacture of beer or other malt liquors other than pure hops or extract of hops or pure barley, malt, or wholesome yeast or rice, unquote. Water is not mentioned, and, as nothing but the above substances may be used, the people of Missouri are wondering whether they will take their beer in solid form, or how. Perhaps someone will come out with beer tablets. Down in Texas, the lower house passed what was called a single tax law, which it was with a vengeance. It provided that every unmarried man over 30 who had not, quote, exerted due diligence, end quote, in getting married should pay a fine of $50 every year. In order to define due diligence, the bachelor's fine was to be remitted if he brought in yearly an affidavit from some reputable woman that he had offered himself in marriage to her during that year. The 1897 Missouri legislature also had a single tax law, but it took the other tack and fined widows and maidens, quote, not less than $100 nor over $500, unquote, for rejecting a man. It was finally amended to add to the fine the provision that the fair one should darn the socks and sew on buttons for the rejected suitor for six months. This laughed it out of the house. But the West is not the only offender. New Jersey passed a law taxing bachelors in 1846, and as I never heard of its repeal, it may still be accumulating dust among the archives, and is one of those things the executive swears to enforce, but does not know of, and practically cannot know, because there are so many of them. 
but the 1898 New Jersey legislature sent to be engrossed a law for taxing bachelors. It is about on a par with the one introduced in 1896 in the same state, prohibiting the picking of huckleberries with the feet. At Albany, one of the Tammany legislators, who did not know a bill from a highwayman's billy, was told he ought to have a law named after himself. So he introduced a measure and secured its passage through the assembly, which made it a penal offense to put less than 13 oysters in an oyster stew. This would be hard on church fairs. Another august legislator, I presume he was from the rural districts this time, introduced a bill making it a felony to entice away bees, particularly when they are swarming. And this was only killed by a city member moving to amend that every bee should have its owner's name and address stamped on its business end for identification. But this is not worse than the ordinance introduced into the Common Council of New York City, which its mover explained as follows, quote, One of the greatest perils of this big city, he said, is the danger of being run down by streetcars. Every person hit by a streetcar is struck by the front platform. Am I right? Of course I am. You never hear of a man being knocked down by the rear platform or by the side of the car. Now the remedy is simple. My resolution abolishes front platforms. End of quote. Another kind of law, passed in Nebraska in early days, has an equally funny mistake in it. A part of it reads, quote, For the violation of the third section of an act to license and regulate the sale of malt, spirituous, and venous liquors, $25, and on proof of the violation of said section, or any part thereof, the justice shall render judgment for the whole amount of costs, and be committed to the common jail until the sum is paid. End of quote. If this law was enforced, many a justice in Nebraska would languish in the common jail. Similar to this is Bill Number 251 of the Kentucky Legislature, which reads, quote, It shall be unlawful for any person to fire or discharge at random any deadly weapon, whether said weapon be loaded or unloaded. End of quote. Really, that legislature must have had in view the damage done by weapons thought to be unloaded. Michigan has on its statute books the Weight Anti-Treating Law, passed in 1895, which prohibits the purchase of liquor to be given to another as a treat. And in South Carolina, private dispensaries became so obnoxious that a bill was introduced making it unlawful for a citizen of that state to wear hip pockets in his trousers, the minimum penalty being $150 and six months imprisonment. Ye gods and little fishes! What would the governor of South Carolina do when he was visited by his brother of North Carolina? Despite the fact that the outlook is the authority for the statement, I think we may well believe that the governor of South Carolina vetoed it when it came into his august presence. But I would call his honor's attention to the action of the Ohio lawmakers in 1898 as worthy of imitation even if he had to issue a special message recommending it. They defeated the Adams Bill, legalizing the weakening of whiskey with water. The Kansas Lower House of 1898, while one of their members with an unpronounceable Russian name was absent, rushed through a bill changing his name to Pat Murphy. I cannot remember the name, but if I could write down such an unheard-of jumble of consonants and vowels, you would also judge that this was an unusual inspiration of common sense. An illustration of one of the tragedies of our lawmaking is the effort of the Pennsylvania miners, extending over years, to get a law prohibiting the payment of wages in store orders. They got such a law through a year or so ago, but in some committee, or in engrossing, 
the words, quote, on demand, unquote, were inserted, so that the law reads, quote, all wages shall be paid in cash on demand, unquote. If a miner demands his wages in cash, he is laid off the next week. The insertion of those two little words has rendered the law utterly useless. It is a real tragedy. A courageous Indiana legislature proposes to fine a baggage man every time he throws a piece of baggage from the car down to the platform, instead of gently transferring it to a truck only a few inches lower than the bottom of the car. The lawmakers of Texas have made a bid for our foreign travel by bravely passing a resolution that the skies of Texas are bluer than those of Italy. It made no difference that perhaps none of them had visited Italy. Of course, everything about Texas is better than anything anywhere else, even unto the skies. A righteous Tennessee senator would, quote, forbid any person to linger or loiter on any street, alley, road, or lane in the vicinity of any young lady's boarding school. Neither shall anyone try to communicate secretly with the inmates of such institution, nor loaf, lurk, and loiter where the inmates of such institution are likely to be found. End of quote. That last clause is delicious. Deponent saith not whether this loaf, lurk, and loiter bill was passed, but the wicked Virginia Senate of 1898 defeated Senator McCain's anti-flirting bill by 24 to 9. Rhode Island has recently gotten into a peck of trouble on social questions. One of the courts has just passed on an ambiguous law of some 50 years ago, according to which there has not been a legal marriage in that state in half a century. Every child born of parents married in Rhode Island is illegitimate and a bastard. Down in Louisville in the winter of 1898, there was a terrible hubbub which threatened to change the whole course of politics. Some good people got after the grand jury about the open saloons and gambling houses. One of their members fortunately recollected a law introduced by a country member and enacted some time previously, which prohibited the keeping of red birds, martins, or other wild songbirds in cages and fine defenders. Of course, this had never been enforced, but there it was on the statute books. So they called the chief of police, Jacob Hager, and sternly demanded to know why he had not enforced the red bird law. Chief Hager was new, and he thought this meant business. By noon the next day, 400 citizens had been ordered to let their red birds go or pay the fine. The clamor became so great that it threatened to disrupt the political party who had control of the town. Its enforcement was suspended, and of course those who were willing to condone the lack of enforcement of one law could not vigorously demand the enforcement of the law against faro banks, crap games, pool rooms, and brothels. In Toledo, the church people thought they would catch Mayor Jones in a trap shortly after he was elected the first time. So, they introduced in the council, in which he had a deciding vote on that question, a resolution demanding the enforcement of the law for Sunday closing of saloons. He said he should vote for it if it was amended to read the enforcement of the law for Sunday closing of all shops or stores mentioned in the law. The proposers could not object to that, though they did not want it, and it passed. For two Sundays, not only were the saloons closed as tight as a drum, but also not a streetcar ran, not a paper was sold, not a milk wagon dared to go on its route. The law was enforced impartially, and then the common council, moved by the wrath of the people, got together and repealed every Sunday ordinance they had ever passed, and Toledo has a quiet Sunday without them. In 1896, there was a wave of legislative sentiment against tall hats in theaters. 
Bills were introduced in almost every state legislature and passed in New York, New Jersey, Illinois, Missouri, Nebraska, and Colorado. In the latter state, there is a fine of $25 and damages not to exceed $60. Of course, they are not enforced. Minnesota legislators presumably duly considered the phrenology bills submitted to them by one of the honorables. One provided for a state phrenologist with an assistant who should examine not less than 2,000 heads in a year. In Wisconsin, some barber legislator introduced an anti-whisker law so that there might be more shaving. In Illinois, every barber has to pass an examination and be licensed. Of course, it is a farce for getting fees into the pocket of some official. Missouri would prevent its people from eating green watermelons by appointing a watermelon inspector and the bill was only defeated when a venerable member moved that the inspector's title should be, quote, the official plugger, muncher, and taster of the state of Missouri, unquote. Also, the same legislature sent to engrossment a bill preventing card playing on the first day of the week. An honorable at Albany wanted to have an inspector of horseshoeing, and another to make chiropody a profession with a license, and a third would revoke the license of teachers who used tobacco. In Massachusetts, Representative Timo would prohibit hens and roosters from wearing trousers. And so it goes, almost ad libitum, certainly ad nauseum. I was brought up to reverence law, but on looking into it, I find a great deal of it utterly unworthy of reverence, and much absolutely unenforceable. The reason is that we are afraid to elect the same man more than two terms. We give him an uncontrolled power over us, and then, feeling that he cannot stand more than a short term of such uncontrolled power, we do not keep him there. If we would take away from him this dangerous power of enacting laws, and choose legislators as counselors or advisors to the people, then we could keep a legislator in office indefinitely. He could not become corrupted, because he could not deliver the goods. The people would vote on laws. This is done in Switzerland, where the people can vote on any law passed by the legislative body. It results in laws which are noted for their scarcity, simplicity, and enforceability, and in the further fact that legislators are re-elected for term after term. This is called direct legislation and consists of two things. By the referendum, no law goes into effect within a reasonable length of time unless approved by the people. If, during that time, say, 60 days for state law, a minority of the voters, say 5%, sign a petition to have it referred to the whole people, it is held over till the next election, when the people vote on it, a majority accepting or rejecting it. By the initiative, a reasonable minority of the voters can propose a law which, if not passed by the legislature, goes to a vote of the people. The two together give the people constant and firm control over their own lawmaking. It would do away with the legislative follies and corruptions with which this article deals, as well as many other evils. End of The Follies of Legislatures by Altweed Pomeroy Recording by Colleen McMahon